One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I do appreciate you all coming down and um, coming along tonight. I think it says a lot for you, for you a lot that when we do these shows back home, it takes a couple of weeks to sell out normally, and it, uh, within a couple of days here it went, so we really do appreciate that. The flip side of that is it's easier to get ex-pros and ex-Sunland players when we're, back up, when we're back up home, and we did try for you. Um, we asked Naron Nosworth, and he, he only actually let us know this morning that he couldn't do it. Um, Martin McFadden also sends his apologies from a love supreme. But what it does mean is... Pro, is he? No, no. You know what I mean. I, what it do, I, I could have got you Mickey Gray for a tenor. <laughs> we'll leave it. Yeah. What it does mean is Craig Clark's been promoted because he wasn't supposed to be on the top bench. So I don't know if that's a good he's, or a he's bad thing. He's earned it, though, hasn't he, over the years? He's, just, he's, he's earned his chance, you know? Veteran. Well, I wouldn't go as far as veteran, but no, you've joking. earned your chance. It was over the years, just seemed a bit extreme. So hopefully, you know, you're happy with us just talking shite, which is what we do essentially, and um, it seems to have gone quite well so far. So hopefully it's going to be all right. We'll spend um, how long talking about our new signings? That's that done already, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, what, 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 what we'll do is we'll start by just asking Barry. I'm sure most of you are familiar with Barry. He's a Guardian journalist. He's on TalkSport as well, and of course, Football Weekly, which a lot of you might listen to. You could probably work out by his accent if you don't know him that he's not, he's not from God's country up in the northeast. But uh, I'll get him to just explain, introduce himself, how he started supporting Sunderland and stuff like that. And then we'll just move seamlessly into talking about Sunderland and our new signings. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm... Uh, Barry, I work for The Guardian. I do a show on Sunday mornings with Max Rushton on TalkSport. So you'll have to pardon my nerves. I'm not used to addressing an audience this large. Um, uh, I've worked at The Guardian for about 16 years. We started doing the Football Weekly podcast about uh, 10 years ago, I think, uh, during the World Cup in Germany, and it kind of took off. And then guys like these fellas here started copying us and <laughs> gradually getting better than us, which uh, is always slightly worrying. Um, I'm a Sunderland fan. Uh, I have my father to thank for that. Thanks, Dad. Uh, he's a Sunderland fan for the same reason that Martin O'Neill is. Growing up in Ireland, uh, Charlie Hurley was obviously a big, big Irish star, played for Sunderland. And that's how Martin O'Neill started supporting them. That's why my dad started supporting them. And I, it's just one of many bad habits I, I picked up off him, along with you know smoking, drinking, all sorts. Uh, so yeah, it's an affliction he's, he's given me. Uh, we all have our crosses to bear through life. We're, you know, this is like a, some sort of 
self-help group here tonight, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased to be here, and thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Um, what I would say, what I would like to ask you about, Barry, and I know some of the lads who live down London might be able to answer this as well. We were just talking in the car on the way down. Me and Gareth started this, what, three years? Three years ago? Two and a half years ago? March, Whatever. March, and, um, March 2013, I think it was. And, and what we're saying is that there hasn't been a dull moment yet. Not always for the right reasons, because we go through managers and we survive relegation. But I guess we're always in the public eye, aren't we? Does that help things? Have you seen a change in that? Because when I was a kid, for example, Terry Butcher was our manager and Malcolm Crosby was our manager and it was fucking dull as Diswater, wasn't it? Sport in Sunderland. We were like hanging on in, in, in the second tier of English football, bobbing along, doing nothing. Newcastle Raw was in the news because Keegan was there. But it's eventful at least, eh? Yeah, but the... You know, ye guys have successfully, quite literally, organised a piss up in a brewery here tonight. <laughs> which is something Ellis Short seems to be incapable of doing. Um, we invited him. <laughs> oh, he did, he's in front. <laughs> I, you know, I, I was talking to this gentleman here just before we came on, and he was saying he, he's pining for the days when... Sunderland were just plodding along in mid-table and it was really boring and not, nothing ever happened, you know. When was that? Sorry. <laughs> this is the big aspiration, this is the dream and I think Sunderland constantly being in the news for the wrong reasons can get a bit tedious, whether it's the whole Adam Johnson thing, which, you know... We won't uh, go there. Yeah. No. Um, the way that was handled by the club was bad. You know, even when Sam Allardyce left to take the England job, they put out this very mealy-mouthed statement in which they didn't wish him well, they didn't thank him for what he'd done. Um, you know, I thought that was a bit lacking in, in grace. I don't want to be too critical of, of the club, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think constantly being in, in the news for the wrong reasons, for not being very good at football, for avoiding relegation for, by the skin of your teeth, for pulling off great escapes, it, it, it it's not ideal, is it? I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I, there is no one in this room who knows less about Sunderland Football Club than me. Uh, but, you know, that's my opinion. I, I'd be interested to hear what you think. You've got to say something, haven't you? No, I can't remember on. what it You've was You've got the now. stage now. I've, 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 had, too many, I've now. had too many drinks already. I can't <laughs> remember what it was. I want Craig to start, actually. Are people okay about the Allardyce leaving thing now? Because we brought Moyes in. Is that the general, the general feeling? There wasn't a lot out there to replace him. I think I was quite surprised how seamless that went. You talk about the way Sullen run football clubs these days, and that seemed too good to be true that Allies would leave and Moyes seemed like the logical replacement, but there's never normal lo normally logic as far as Sullen are concerned. But you, you said from the start, Craig, putting Allardyce's record up to Moyes' record, you're happy with that? He's a, he's a better manager, isn't he? Peyton, can you, he's, can you Craig, okay? He's, um, yeah. His record stands for itself. He's managed bigger clubs than Allardyce. He's managed them to a higher level than Allardyce managed any of the clubs that he managed. Um, to me, he's the, the ideal appointment at the ideal time. This was the closest thing we've had. I'm, Allardyce coming in, I loved Allardyce. He's got the charisma. He, he has got a good record in the top flight. He kept us up, which was phenomenal. That dance in front of the South Stand is one of the best things I've ever seen. But... <laughs> There's bullets being fired at me from the front row. 
Um, to be fair, as much as I would have loved him to stay, it's his dream job, he's always wanted it. He'd probably never get another chance to manage England. You can't begrudge that. And to me, Moyes is the kind of manager you might have wanted in two or three years' time anyway. The platform's there. We've got some good players. We obviously, as Stevens alluded to, need to sign some players pretty soon to build on what we've got because pre-season it's been a lot of kids involved which is encouraging and Moyes has a good record with young players but we do need some experience in there as soon as possible I think well I think that, that's, a, that's a thing isn't it? it it's alright to be philosophical about the Adelaide thing and I think as, as Sunderland fan you just become hardened to it over time don't you you just kind of like oh that's happened again we'll just like crack uh, on with it people are going to be disappointed with incoming transfers because I put what, something on Twitter. What's that, sorry? In, eh? Incoming transfers. Well, yeah. We can dream, can't we? I put something on Twitter and the other day. He's, he's, he's loitering, seeing him all waiting. And, and people said, you know, I said, what's a realistic amount of players to bring in? And people straight away say, we need four or five. And I just think people are going to be disappointed. I've heard they've got £20 million, is what I've heard they've got to spend on players, which isn't great. Who do you have from? A, a, a journalist. Um, t- well, well. <laughs> so yeah, that could be no, that that, potentially that could be two permanent players and two loan signings. Now, that would be enough. I ideally, think, wouldn't well, it? Well, tell us what positions you would. We need you a centre back. From. That's obvious. We need well, a full so, back. So you, you're going to sign two permanent players. You would sign a centre back first. No, I just mean if you if you're going to get four players, two signings permanently, two loans, you need a centre back, a full back, a striker, and a midfielder. That would be my thinking. If that's what we came out with, I mean, it's not a midfielder, ideal. midfielder, including Mvilla, or All right, it would probably well be five. You'd want Mvilla and another. Do probably. we think five signings are going to come, honestly? Does nobody think, because what people seem to forget as well is, Allardyce brought in three permanent signings in January who all improved the side, as we know. Corny, Kazri, Kirchhoff, okay? It was four, now, really. Don't, yeah, for, but, don't yeah. forget Dama. I said three Never permanent signings, yeah. We, we forget about Undoy altogether, don't we? Um... And it's not often that teams do that in January. Now, you can't tell me, I think, on some level, that Ellis Short hasn't said to Allardyce, OK, you're going to have three permanent signs, but some of this is coming out of your summer budget. I'm sorry to say I'm depressing to everybody, but uh, do you see it like that or not? Or am I being I negative it, and pessimistic? It's a situation where you, you know, there's, a lot of, there's not a lot of factual information flying around, is there? People aren't going to come out and don't say, oh, I've got this stop. much don't money, that stop I've you. got that much money to spend... And then you've got a situation, you know, obviously transfer fees are inflated because of what's happened, you know, in, in, with the, um, the TV money. Um, and you, you've seen that, you know, the championship now, you've got players, you know, was it Knockhart's been, had a £10 million price tag slapped on his head or something like that by Brighton. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult market to operate in, isn't it? But I, I don't know, I think it's, it's very difficult to decipher what exactly they're going to do. Um, they've got two weeks to start of the season, so it's abundantly clear that in the next 10 days, we're not going to have players in place for the start of the season. Obviously, Kershaw got injured tonight. Defoe's injured. Defoe's yeah. injured, Billy Jones is injured. So really, mm. everything's just going exactly as it normally does. <laughs> if you think about it from that perspective, and we've all have been all right afterwards, so really, because that's the thing, and you always think like, well, it'll not be like that next time, and then it is. And then you think, that you get the next summer, like, oh, it'll be all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do this and we'll do that. Oh, we haven't done that. Where the signings coming from? Where's this manager coming from? And it's, it gets worse every year. So we, we've had like we, we thought at the end of last season. Oh, we're in a situation now. Allardyce is here. Everything's stabilised. He's going to do whatever he did in January. Which, 
let's be fair, would have been a tall order if he did half as well as he did in the summer as he did last January. But now we're in a He's situation... He's got the England job off the back of that transfer yeah. window, hasn't so he? Now, let's be honest. Yeah. So now let's we're in a situation where we're kind of worse than we've ever been probably in, in the summer in terms so of So we all just go paper. home now or what? No, no. I'm saying, I, I guess on paper you would look at it that way, but in terms of the preparation, it looks all right. Like the, the pre-season, the physical side of pre-season looks okay. But the actual planning for the start of the season has obviously been hampered by the, the, um, the England job situation with Sam. Moisey came in, which is, you know... You know they, they got that done relatively quickly afterwards um, after Allardyce went, but we haven't got any any players in. I'm not one of these people who's going to like, you know, my head's not going to spin off be- on Twitter because we haven't signed a player or whatever. I'm not going to start like tweeting the football club on on on, on social media like criticising them or signing anybody because the person who sits in the office doing the social media isn't in charge, and I don't think David Moyes <laughs> has got access to it. But. We were talking about the you've way just, down yeah, the car. We were looking at people to, tweeting the club. You've just got to, you've just got to kind of try your best to keep your cool, and I think that's probably what Sunderland are going to have to do in the next couple of weeks with the window. They're going to have to. They're going to have to keep dives in and tells us we're going to sign. Well, five world class players. I wanted to ask Barry, as a journalist, Barry. Right, it's easy copy, isn't it? David Moyes comes to Sunderland. You link him with Fellaini straight away. That's a, that's a, a story you would do. Now, as lazy as that link sounds. And Gareth made this point the other day, which actually kind of persuaded me more on Fellaini, which, which makes a change, to be honest. <laughs> um, because if we're looking for a forward and people are saying we're looking for a midfielder, he can kind of do both, can't he? And if you only have 20 million quid, he's going to cost 30 million quid of it and he can kind of cover both positions. Is that easy copy? Or have you heard anything about Fellaini? I haven't heard a thing. I, I pers- sorry. Brilliant. <laughs> But I do ima- imagine, imagine how tall he would look in stripes. You know, it would just be, he would be eight foot tall, those elbows flailing everywhere. Who, who could stop us? Imagine those. Um, we'd, have com- some, we'd have well, some bastards in the midfield, wouldn't yeah. we? If, if com- can I, can I briefly, um, can I briefly like take you back to the, the Allardyce thing? I'm, I'm really concerned. Because I, I was on, uh, drafted in to Colin Murray's show as a last-minute sub on TalkSport uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was actually the day before he resigned because uh, I heard that news and I thought, was it something I said? But <laughs> apparently not. But M- Mickey Gray was on it as well and we were discussing Big Sam and we almost came to blows over the fact that Mickey was devastated that he was leaving Sunderland, whereas I thought it was a good thing because I personally think he, the job he did at Sunderland was very much overrated. I don't think he did that. <laughs> I'm not sure I'll have someone talk about my Sam like that. I mean. and, and a chill fill the room. Uh, um, I, I just think that the, the three, t- he got them up two places up the table in seven months. He bridged a gap of, I think it was about five points, at a rate of less than a point a month. He, he bought well in the transfer window, and they still, while hard to beat, weren't particularly good. They drew a hell of a lot of games they should have won, I think. Uh, I would, and clearly everyone else here disagrees, and I've got to <laughs> slink out the back and run away before I get lynched. I think, yeah. I, I see what you're saying on paper, but... The last sort of 12, 15 games of the season, I think, well, the Man City game was a turning point, wasn't it? For, I think because we talked about it on the show and said, it's just, there's not enough there, but it looks as though 
there's going to be a team. The first time we've had a team where we thought, you know what, there's some, there's a bond of a good team here, and now we're going to go down. We're going to lose. We're going to lose Kershaw. The signings clicked, wasn't it, against Man City? The signings yeah. all clicked that game. And then game. you know we lost one nil, but you didn't come away from that game thinking oh, all is lost. But you'd kind of resigned yourself to the the difficulty that was ahead, and you know really they came out of it pretty well. I mean, aside from it, ironically. The Liverpool game was probably one of the worst we'd played all season, and we drew two all somehow. Um, and then we, you know, we had a, we had good games against Arsenal at home where we got a nil-nil draw where we probably should have won the game. Um, you know, we, we played, we were organised, we played really well. Um, and you know, in the final, I know, like obviously, that, I mean, I think that's been one of the infuriating things coming out of it. I mean, I think you get hardened as a Sunderland fan, don't you? The disappointment, and obviously he's gone, and you've just got to crack on with it, but. One of the most annoying things is the like sort of the perception of like the wider population who maybe watch match of the day and then decide that this is the way things are, or listen to certain pundits and decide this is the way things are. For, for me, watching Allardyce's team, yeah, it was it, it wasn't long ball, but it was direct. It was getting the ball into the forwards quicker. But when we got into the final third, we were buzzing around and the. You know, there were there was bodies in the box, and you know they, they weren't crossing it necessarily, but they were making the right decisions in the in the final third. And you know, they, they were just vibrant, and you know, I think Kasri made a massive difference in that department because he's you know he's like so he's, he's just buzzing around all the time, isn't he? He's, he's, what was it? Wasp? Was it? Was it a wasp? wasp? Yeah. yeah, he is. That's what he's like, and Very that helps. He got Barini on the other side, who might not be the best footballer in the world, but. You know, I wouldn't like you wouldn't like to play against Barini, would you? He's like really irritating, and every time he touches me, falls over. And I can be irritating, all right. Oh, you know, so you know, you've got that going on going forward. So there was stuff there, and he he kind of got the best out of them. And Defoe, and I know Allardyce, you know, as he would I'll spin tell you it. What, no, Allardyce, like, well, Allardyce would Allardyce, spin it no, that no. he didn't like. Oh, he did say when he came in that he didn't think he could play Defoe front on his own. And then a few months later, it was like, oh, all the managers who said he couldn't play Defoe front on your own. Like, no, but he yeah, did it though. The difference is he did it. But he, he did, did it, and it worked. worked. No, and he made work. it work. And you've got to give him massive credit for that. He did like, play Danny Graham on left on the left wing for a bit. You've got more. to give him massive credit for that. <laughs> like, no, but seriously, getting something out. Of, I, when we signed Defoe, I can remember us three. We were all like terrible, like, like in a way, like not because he's a bad footballer. We did terrible sign, and no, we just we said, did, no, "Can't really see why they've well, done that." The logic he finished, it. he finished yeah. Poyet. It finished him. Yeah, it did he didn't know what to do it. with him, and like to get him to play up front on his own, something he's never done in his entire career. Basically, I thought it was excellent well, management. We, we did a show like, with um, Kevin Ball and for Into the Light, and he was saying, like, we kind of Kevin or me, not you, oh, you no, you, you've not said anything. Um, no, it was it was more like uh, he was saying. Not to fall as the most improved player, because that would be patronising to like a 33-year-old England national who's played for Tottenham, played in Champions League, whatever, played in World Cup, scored in the World Cup. But since Sam came in, his improvement in this role that he had to play, such a late stage of his career, was outstanding. He, you know, turned my view around, and you know, See, like now he's out injured. Because we all know Gareth hates to fall. That comes across on the Defoe, podcast, I mean, doesn't obviously, it? Obviously, you know, he, yeah. But, but, but yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's been phenomenal, really. You know, 15 goals in, in that team, brilliant. Um, but you just hope now. I mean, the injuries tonight. You don't know how bad the injuries are going to be, do you? Like, I mean, obviously, well, I mean, Billy Jones is out, so you know, yeah. blessing or curse. <laughs> and then you've got, you know, Kershaw's out. If, unless we get him via in, then you've got obviously a, a problem there because 
who I guess Larson could sit in there if he is needs it, Is to. there a concern by anybody? Only got, we've only got two weeks. I know. I don't want to get like start flapping about the fact we haven't signed anyone. But... It doesn't look great two, on Sky Sports, though, does it? Where it transfers in and Sunderland comes up and says none. Yeah. And all yeah. the rest of the clubs are like flicking through and all these players. Is anybody concerned about the, the reports that have circulated today saying the club are sort of having second thoughts about paying for Villa because he's only got six months left in his contract and they don't want to pay five million euros... Six months is a long time in football. Why don't we just take the key word there, which is reports. Two days ago, well, that's all we've the got report to go on, was Craig, he was going to sign honest. in five minutes, and then that didn't happen. If you want to tell us some info, inside information about players coming in... Well, no, no but I, I mean, guess. it changes by the minute, never mind the day. Like, you've just got to wait and see, haven't you? If it doesn't happen, they've got to find someone else. It's as simple as that. And we've, you've just got... I, I don't really trust the club because they've screwed it up so many times, but you've just got it. What else can you do? I could, none of us can walk in there and say sign a player. Well, like, maybe if you send them a tweet power. and tell I them to sign some later. players and sign some players, they might listen. Probably not. And get it done. Do it now, quick. What live? That would be live. Yeah, do it live. What, what do we think about this? Um, the interesting call there that apparently is genuine from Everton and from Leicester. Now they're talking big money, fifteen million. I've heard twenty million. I've heard, but. The way someone fucking wastes money, like Jordan Henderson's money, for example. We went inside Craig Gardner um, for a large chunk of it. We brought in, who else did we bring in? We brought in David Vaughan as a replacement for, um, L- for Henderson. Larson didn't came we? in, did he? That same, was yeah. That um, oh, so Shea Brown, that was that. No, that was a bit earlier. Wickham. Before, it was Wickham, was it? Historically, well you, can't, you can't trust someone to keep that money. Would anybody consider selling Corner, even for like £15 million? Imagine not seeing Corner. I was going to say, do, do you not think mm-hmm. 15 million, given Newcastle managed to sell Genie Vinaldum for 25? I know he plays in a, an attacking position, but they got relegated. He disappeared for six months at least. Do you not think that seems like quite a low figure? I would, like, you wouldn't. The thing is, though, we're not in a position where we need to start selling players, are we? Like, well, we've only got need... 20 million pounds to spend. Well, well you're saying that. <laughs> I don't know where you've got that from. All right, don't shoot us down in front of everybody, guys. Yeah, no, it's getting, no. reco- it's it's getting recorded. It's getting recorded. Audio and what do you um, but I, 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 what do you reckon? Sell them? No. No, no well, I mean, the thing about if, if you're going to sell a player, how much is it going to cost to replace him? It's, you're not going to replace a player of his quality with 15 million quid. Or, or, you know, you would be very lucky to do that, uh, especially at such short notice. So especially this summer as well. And the longer it goes on, the more other clubs are going to know Sunderland are fucking desperate to get people in. So that's going to... The price up, isn't Same it? Same every so, summer, isn't it? Yeah. It happens every year. We always so, look no, so I, desperate. I, I think selling him would be a, a huge mistake yeah. for, for a fee that small. Can Kevin, you, can Kevin you imagine? Kevin on loan, that's what's going to happen. It's like one of those types of transfers. We'll sell Corny for like 30 million quid, which would be great. And we'll all, we'll all rationalise it because that's what you do when you're a football fan, don't you? You decide that you don't care about the actual football anymore. You start thinking about, oh, well, that was good business, wasn't it? Because that's what we all go for, isn't it? That's what we all go for, isn't it? The match for good business. That's what we want to see. Want to see the players harvested and then sold on for more money. But um, that's what happened. Then we replace him with like that Kevin Vimmer from Tottenham on loan or something like that. And then he get injured, and then we'll have John O'Shea and um, that ledger. At you mentioned off. being rational as a Sunderland fan, but we all know Twitter isn't the most rational place when you're sporting Sunderland. Would it, does anybody think Yedlin did enough as a right back? Depends yeah. what you're talking about. If you're talking again, 20 million, you're not going to spend five million pound on a, a right back. Yeah, but not if not if you've got to fill. F- 
You're going you're to spend 10 million minimum, surely, on, on a midfielder. Well, it depends. I think five million pound for Mvia, yeah, but you need someone to play at the, the top of that midfield, don't you? No. So for Leoni, thirteen million was that? Was that's your money gone? According that, to you, well, your twenty million's know. gone. Well, we've only got we've only got ten million to spend, Craig. According to my sources, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's it's easy to sit here and pontificate about numbers that you can pull out your ass. That's why they're here, Craig. It, I know, but I mean, like, you can't. You, we know clearly that they need fullbacks or at least a fullback and a centre back and obviously at least one midfielder but we've got one striker as well like it does seem like every summer we have the same conversation well, I guess, but about I guess you get, like, goals I, in the squad I don't want to like I'm not you know Barini could play up front obviously like Barini I think has been a massive positive on pre-season because really it probably hasn't a proper pre-season it's a new hair, for the last it's two a new years. hair dye isn't it it is and Messi's followed suit hasn't he so but you've, you've had two seasons where he probably hasn't had a decent pre-season it's coming this time you know what we've heard, um, you know, when we spoke, we, where we spoke to Congerton about it, and he was on a, he raving about Barini, about how professionally he, he would, was. Wouldn't he sign him? And all <laughs> that. I'm going to tell you he's crap. Yeah, no, but it was before, did, but he, he didn't sign him. He didn't sign him. He was already here it when It was Stefanti who signed him. He was on loan when he came, when we spoke oh, to him. But yeah, time, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's been a massive positive. I mean, he did sign him the second time, yeah. though, didn't he? So. Yeah, he did, but that, that was, we spoke to him before then, so that, it's not relevant, Craig. But anyway, honestly, he thinks he's all that because he's been upgraded because someone dropped out. But anyway, um, we're, we're kind of at the stage now where the transfer window is almost a more important competition than, say, the Capital Agreed, One Cup or the yeah. FA Cup or the football. Um, people are more interested in transfer stories yeah. than yeah. winning and stuff. And, and the amount of game. people who get very excited about it on Twitter, I, I think there should be just a blanket ban on transfer speculation. <laughs> no one write about it, no one talk about it, and then you just turn up on the first day of the season, see who runs out, <laughs> see who's on the bench, and then go, fuck, it's the exact same as last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm up for that. Yeah. Apart from a couple missing. Yeah. And, and Charles I mean, you're and in Zogby. the industry, sort it out. <laughs> sort it out. Yeah. What we always talk about, like, we're saying, like, every, we're making this joke on whether it's every single season, we're having the same thing. I'll tell you what, when you're looking at the excuse bingo card, the fitness thing is done already, mind, isn't it? Because last year, everybody is so focused on how unfit the squad oh, were last were season. No, no, I'm not disagreeing Cattle with that. Was done after what half I'm an saying hour is, every time you pick up a paper now and read something, the, the, the squad look fitter. They're, oh, they're much fitter this season. So when we lose our first four games this season, we're not going to be able to use We're not going to be able to use that as an excuse anyway. Just pick, pick one out of the roulette, innit? Like, right, so it's not fitness, so we haven't signed anyone. Blame the chairman, blame the manager. He's probably going to be crap after 10 weeks, if that's the case. Like, you've just got to, like, give it time to just let it happen. It, there's, not, there's nothing that you can do about it. I'm sure we will sign players. And I'm sure now that the manager's had a chance to assess the squad, find out where the holes are, he's going to look at Billy Jones and see what we've seen and go, no, that's not what I want in a red and white shirt this season. He's probably going to be back up for both fullback positions, though, because we can't afford to probably bring two fullbacks. The thing is, in. though, there might be a, there might be a positive spin on it because the closer it gets to the window, that means deals will be done when everyone's like obviously standing outside and waving purple dildos around and that. <laughs> um, so and that that's that's the most important that's the most important thing. Are you are are you getting are you, are you signing are you signing Glen Whelan on loan at five to eleven? On, on, on the 1st of August. Please, that, no. 
sorry, on the, on the, on the, on the th 31st of August, and that's the most important thing that we need to remember. And if that happens, then we've had a good window. But it's that sort of thing. The more players you sign near the end of the window, you've had a good window. If you don't get them in at the start, then it's a bad thing. In the middle, it doesn't really matter. You could sign anyone. Anyone you sign now, there's a video on YouTube saying how fantastic and wonderful they are. And then when they turn up, invariably, I mean, they're not very good. I mean, we've, we've had, I mean, Kershaw, who barely kicked the ball for 18 months, came in and was phenomenal. I watched Corny once for Lorient and I didn't even notice him. And uh, obviously, and Doy, well, yeah. And then. <laughs> Um, and, and Kazri had never even heard of before we signed him, so you just never know what's going on. And you know, I mean, January, going back to what like Barry was saying about allies, I wouldn't go as far to say that I don't rate what he did, but he probably got a little bit lucky in January, didn't he? Like, let's be honest. But he's only missing. Did nobody? Did, did he's never had a window a like it in his I'm career. Not, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not discrediting him for it. I'm just saying it's very rare when you bring in a, a group of players who have. That, like, 75% of the players that you brought in one January window who impacted the team actually made a massive difference. And that was, they made such a big difference. Well, a bit like um, Tori Andre Flo and Marcus Stewart that time. <laughs> yeah, that was a big summer. That was a big Happy summer. Happy days, yeah. Well, the 7-0 Oxford, you know, there was that one. But I, I read a, a stat somewhere today, and I don't have the exact figures. I don't remember it exactly, but it was something along the lines of in the, in the past three seasons, Sunderland have never won more than one of their first seven or eight no, games. No, we haven't won one of the seven. I think we haven't won until October, is it? Is I, that start? Yeah. I think that, that can't be a coincidence. That, that, that's, there's something wrong there, you know, whether it's the fitness thing you were talking about or a lack of organisation. I mean, I think there's no doubt well-organised, well-run clubs do their business early, they get their tar identify their targets, they get them, and if, if they can't get them, they move on to the next target and get them in. And, you know, if, if you're scrabbling around with, with two weeks to go to the start of the season, you, you haven't brought in anyone, you're either not a brilliantly run club or you're Arsenal last season. Um, <laughs> or any season. <laughs> um, but I, I, there, there does seem to be some sort of chronic problem in that regard that it takes them so long to get going and, and once you get into that losing habit it's, it's very hard to get out of it you know it doesn't help that we have had the manager change but that's the story of Sunderland isn't it every year it's turmoil like it's advocate he can't is, is he going to stay is he not going to stay is he actually a hopeless manager yes like it just didn't work did it you're, well you're like, bitter because he wanted you sacked from a job that I didn't have but it's from a job that you didn't have <laughs> He was, he was chronically under-equipped and managing the Premier League. It was, it was fantastic at the end of that season where he, he came in, he was pragmatic, and then as soon as he tried to just go, oh, yeah, well, we're going to play my way whether we've got the players or not, it just didn't work. He had one year, didn't he? And it's as if he had said, I've only got one year. I'm oh, gonna go I'm just going to go balls out. And just <laughs> yeah, massively, and it just didn't. It, just, it was complete chite. We must be, it didn't help him. We talked about fitness. It didn't help him the pre-season last year. Travelling across from America, the west side of America, wasn't it? Then to up America. to Canada. A bus? I didn't mention a bus, did I? Thought you said a bus. Right. So anyway, we'll cut that out. We'll cut yeah. that out. <laughs> so anyway, that that's helped this season. People must be happy they've stayed closer, right? You can see the straws we're trying to clutch at here to try and like suggest we're going to have a good start of a season, but that has made a difference, surely. Didn't Leicester have a pre-season in Austria last year? I'm just saying. Not, <laughs> not, not well, I. 
I think part of the problem for Chelsea last season was that they did a lot travelling during summer and during their opening games of the season you could see the players quite clearly weren't fit enough, like physically fit enough. They hadn't put in enough effort in their pre-season because they were playing these lucrative games and travelling all the time and presumably just didn't have the time to, to do the training that was necessary to get their fitness to the required standard and uh, that could possibly happen a few teams this season because uh, you know they're, they're all travelling around playing these thing. silly friendlies but uh, yeah uh, Sunderland they've, they've been to France that, that's not too far so no. hopefully they'll be alright I think the pre-season's been, you know, on, 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 you know, I mean, we had big discussions, didn't we, about the, the American pre-season. I think generally you pretty much think it's a terrible idea. I mean, from a, I don't know what the commercial, you know, appeal was for us going to play three teams in America last year and two of them were probably in the third division of what essentially is a third or fourth tier of, of, of um, US soccer. Um, you know, completely pointless. You look at it now, I mean, you look at, you know, Man City and Man United going out to play a game and they can't get a game on. I mean, they've gone all the way there to play a football match, which is, you know, apparently why we're here. And they can't do it. I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous. And I mean, can we, can we moan about the under-23 um, we'll, we'll, Johnson Payne trophy or whatever we'll bring, it's called We'll bring now. it up. I think we need... What I want to remind people is, I, I put little cards on now, it's probably obvious that I would expect you to write something down on there. But that's because when we do these live shows, the second half is always dictated, the content's always dictated by your questions. And what we'll do, hopefully, can we, can we floor walk? Have we got a microphone or floor walk? I, think, I don't know, have we got a microphone? We'll see. We'll, we'll either read the questions out, out on your behalf, or we'll floor walk and you can read them out yourselves. Any questions you have, anything you want to add to what we've been saying, I know there's been a few head shakes around with uh, some of the things we've been seeing. Yeah, as soon so, as we got up. So um, write your name on as well and try and do that and then we'll maybe, we'll come back and we are, we are going to mention that when we come back, the under 23 thing, because I'd be interested to know what people think about that, you well, know, the, the tournament. A squad, hour, a squad as thin of ours, as ours rather, definitely needs more games. That's exactly what it needs, isn't it? <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see what people say. So we'll take a break for 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Well, don't ask me. I don't know. You're the organizer, Gareth. 20, 20 minutes, minutes or so, is good. 20 and then we'll come back. Fine. Don't forget to write your questions down because we can't start unless we have a good amount of questions. All right. Cheers. So thanks for now. Before we left there, Gareth mentioned the. The inclusion, I can't remember the name of the competition, what is it? Is it the Johnson's Pain Trophy? Does, I would like to know, show of hands, does anybody, think, does anybody think this Super is a trophy? good idea for Sunderland to get involved in this? One. 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 Well, he's been told off. Two. Two. There's two. Yeah? Is that just from a selfish point of view, that like, I might, our players will play against league clubs? But only right. the kids, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Do we not think it makes a... Do we, what do people on the panel think? Do we think it makes well, my, a, I've got do we a, think it makes a, a, mock, a mockery I've got, of the... I've got a bee in my bonnet about this. So come on then. Let's go with the on, man. We'll sit back and let you... Thanks for coming. We'll sit back and let you vent then. Yeah, I mean, my... So, so I guess there's a gentleman over there saying about if it was just the kids, but it's a fact you can play six players over the age of 23, and it's under 23 anyway. Uh, that's ridiculous. So say Jermaine Defoe's injured... 
And then, you know, if you're a manager, you're going to go, well, what, what, competitive, what competitive football have I got to play him in? Well, I've got this game up coming against Rochdale or Hartlepool, something like that. I'll play him in that game. If you're Rochdale or Hartlepool, see, so firstly, I want to say that I don't know how seriously the teams in League One and League Two take the Johnson Spain Trophy, whatever it's called now, the Football League Trophy. Very seriously. He's got a tattoo of the trophy, is it? No, no. No, no. Um, he's a big fan of the trophy. Um, he's very offended. Um, but, uh, but yeah, seriously, uh, it, it just to me, it just seems bizarre. It's like, I just think it's, it's more about the culture of football now and that it irritates me and it's his attitude. Well, if it's all right for the youth players who play for teams in the Premier League, then that's fine. That's okay if we get to play our players in a, comp- in a competitive football like they've done us a favour and it's like why, why did the Football League have to pander to the Premier League every time it's not we, we aren't necessarily going to be in the Premier League I mean we've been in the Premier League what this is the longest time we've been in the top division of football since like of English football 50s since, or something yeah so it's, it's not always going to be that way and, and I just don't think it's right that it was so Premier League centric and so Premier League focused that we should take adva- take advantage of these sorts of things I just don't think it's right um to me as well, there's another another issue here, which is clubs don't even want to play the first team in the league cup. So what do you want to end up with another cup to play more players in? Just well, you've got, but, you've but got well, a league for if, if you're under twenty three. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The 23s played, then I guess there's an argument to say, well, from a purely football perspective, from Sunderland yeah. Football Club would say, well, that's all right for me then. Because we can, put we them can in play the, put these. Them in, put them in the league. But then, but then it goes back to my argument about loans. And like, obviously they've changed the loan system this, this summer, which is you can't, you can't have short-term loans anymore until it'll be six months or 12 months. But there needs to be more pressure on Premier League clubs to give youth players an opportunity to play first-team football. Now, whether or not they're good enough is irrelevant. It's about, if, if they've got a responsibility to that player, 
you know, yeah, they don't want to play him. They, they, they can't let him rot in the under-23s for three years and then send him out to Southend or Blackpool or something like that. If they aren't going to make a decision on that footballer, then they have to say to him, listen, we can't play you in any competitions. We can't loan you out, so we're going to have to let you go. And then he might go to, you know, a team in League One, League Two, do what he needs to do and thrive and come out. Look at someone like Duncan Watmore, who was obviously playing in Altringham when he was 20, 21. We've got players who are 17, obviously Joel Osorio making his um, first team debut, I guess you could call it, in the, in the friendly, scoring a goal or whatever. You know, you've just, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's this line between what, what, what point does things become selfish and what, what, at what point, you know, you've, you've, got, you've got to take into consideration other football clubs in the pyramid. And I think I the, Premier, that, League, the Premier League, I just think of, Drop the ball in this one. I think they should have, you know, held their hands up and maybe said, "Listen." But they're never going to do that. Mm-hmm. And the re- and all this thing about, oh well, I know Liverpool fans have gone, well, we aren't competing in it because, you know, we've got some sort of like semblance of I don't know, like morality or whatever. Tell you what, if those, if the other ten football clubs or nine football clubs in the Premier League are com- aren't competing in that competition, wanted to compete in that competition, they would. It's not because you know they feel bad for the football league teams. That's garbage. It's because they don't see that competition as any benefit to them, so they won't do it. Because they will that's play, a, their, they will play yeah, their under-23s that, in the league. That's, cup, a reason, that's a reason why Chelsea have entered, because they've got 90 players out on loan. Can I, I, I can think I that in? whole Football League trophy is working, a total abomination, because clubs in League One and League Two, they don't get very many opportunities to go to Wembley and so, play yeah. in a final. And that opportunity is now going to be taken away for them, more or less. And the, you know, the Premier League clubs are going, oh, well, we, we have these kids and they need an opportunity to play first-team football. If you want to give your kids first-team football, put them in your fucking first team. Yep. Don't stockpile them. Yeah, yeah. Don't, you know, yeah, don't yeah, have 50 different players. And uh, the, no Premier League sh- team should have anything to do with that competition. It's a disgrace. And... I think I, I read a thing yesterday where um, various this diktat has been handed down to the football league clubs, saying that they can be fined five grand if they don't field what the FA considers to be a full strength team. Well, well, mate, but no but such sanctions are going to apply to the Premier League. It's sorry to put in, like I'm an Orient fan, yeah. I've come here on a whim. I go to Sunderland away games when they're in London, and it's absolute bollocks that this this thing's come about. Literally, like, the JPT is, a, a, as you said, a good chance for a League 1 or a League 2 team to get to Wembley. It's a big day out, you know, 40,000, 50,000. It's not going to be like an FA Cup or anything like that. But for me, as a fan, to see the Premier League absolutely piss on the whole football tier system, which they have done, and there is clubs that, you know, that they haven't even entered the system as well. It's, it's just it's sacrilege, you know. It's... it's, it's Frustrating to see as a fan. I mean, the JPT itself is not, you know, it didn't exactly hit the heights until you get to like the latter stages anyway. But for me, I've seen the draw for my team. I'm a Leighton Orient fan, and um, we've got Brighton and Hove under, under, under 21s away. You know what Joking. I mean? How exciting is that? You know, it's, 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 it's made my year. Right, you know. there a southern group. Have about it's 300 people in it. If it's that, absolutely I mean, in, it's the Amex, in the Amex stadium as well, 28,000 or whatever it is. Yeah, it's a complete farce. It's just frustrating and, you know, I, don't, I just don't think they care enough. I mean, if a player is good enough, as you said, 
give them a chance in the first team. If they're not, sell them and yeah. let them go to Leighton Orient. And you see, you play see for them. how many teams have filtered down for the system, and then if they're good enough, stick a buy back and then buy them back, you know. Good That's stuff. all I want to put in anyway. And well said. Well, well done. Said. Round of applause for that, man. So that, that mic's working okay to go around now. I want um, Paul, you said Michael Paul to read this question out. The, ha- the hands up one. Paulie. Paulie. He's, out, Paul. he's in a different postcode. Hey. Sorry. He doesn't know what he's doing. I know. I didn't give you the question, but I'm sure you can remember it. For the people who the, are watching the, this, it's the survey. You, ask, you, you want people it? to put their hands up? You might remember. Is it? He needs a No, I'm sorry. About the safe standing. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, it's a. I'd completely forgotten about it. It's a double edged <laughs> question. 15 minutes um, ago. This week, we are the. Um, bear with us. This week, the Football Supporters Federation um, declared that they were going to um, sort of bring on a campaign to get uh, the away football fans. Back down to pitch side, you know, we fucked the, the away fans up off in the pardon, pardon language. We moved the away fans up into the gods, didn't we, like Newcastle have. Um, and they're bringing back a campaign to bring them back pitch side. Um, at the same time, somebody, I've forgotten because I've had too many drinks, but somebody <laughs> has, um, has brought forward an idea for safe standing. I think Celtic have just done it. Yeah, Celtic have just tried but it. But there's yeah. also um, talks in the Premier League to do it. Um, obviously, you've got the, hit, the whole Hillsborough thing that nobody really wants to go into to get past. But I'm just wondering what the panel's views are on, obviously, if you bring the away fans back down to the ground, how do we go about doing the safe standing thing, which I think a lot of people want you know i used to be in the south stand in the yeah. i got i'm lying i used to be in the north stand i got moved for the away fans to how go how many upstairs. drinks have you had sorry barry no you're right i'll give up but yeah my question is how do you feel how, how does everybody think about um what could potentially happen i knew he remember his question i knew he remember his question to me to me like this is something that i've sort of thought about quite a lot i suppose i, I used to sit in the south stand as well and i moved back to the north stand so it was just it, like, you, you've got a situation where you've got a lot of people standing in seated areas and it was just doing me head in because there was loads of kids like 15 to like 10 seats and, it, it was, and they were all like just idiots basically you, what you could do if you brought away fans back to pitch side what they do in Germany they have safe like real seating for away fans as well so you just have a real seating section for the away fans in a corner and it would I think that would work perfectly you could just yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, I would, I would put, put them in the southwest corner. Personally, I'd, well, I, would, I would personally do the whole south stand. I think you see all oh, the south wave, stand. No but, no, but it was a double sort of, sort of side of question, wasn't it? Where okay, so like home fans, home and the bringing away the wave fans other, closer yeah. to the pitch, which I, yeah, I, I, well, don't, I, I, I don't, I don't have an opinion either. To be way. honest, I, I disagree with would, the. Would people well, have, would people have safe standing? Yes or no? Like yes, show of hands. If you would have standing brought back. That seems like a majority to me. Quite I think it's totally understandable. If you can stand up in other countries in a safe way, you can go to, I, can go to a, I can go to a concert at the stadium, I like and stand up, but if I go and stand up at a football game, I can get kicked out. It's ludicrous. Yeah, I think as well that anything that helps to improve the atmosphere at Premier League grounds, because some of them, I don't think Sunderland is one, but the atmosphere in a lot of Premier League grounds now is very sterile. You know, you go to... Anfield or Arsenal, they're like libraries a lot of the time. And uh, safe standing, it is safe and it will improve the atmosphere and, and 
give more people access to games. I don't, I don't see the... It, it, I think, like, the, the whole... I, I did read about the FSF. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been involved with the FSF myself as a national council member and stuff like that. And, and I, I did read about the, the initiative around moving people close at the front. But it's kind of a, a bit of a funny one, really, because it's one of the worst seats you can probably have if you're really interested in watching the game, being right down in, the, like, in row one. I mean... If I'd paid 25, 30 quid for a ticket to the match, which is going to be 30 quid cap now, I, would, I don't think I'd want to sit in row one. If it was safe standing, it might be different. Hey, that's what I'm saying, put the standing yeah. there. Like, you used to have paddocks it, for a Safe reason, standing absolutely you? has to happen. I mean, it's happening in Celtic and it absolutely has to happen in England. You've, you've got to give people the option, opportunity. When, you, when you're milking the football support for the money that they're being milked for, you've got to give them the opportunities and options. And Ultimately, a lot people, of people want it. People are going to stand up anyway. I'm sure you've all been to away games, especially yeah. being based in London. How many people sit down? Yeah. If you had an option where you could sit or stand, then great, because like, there's older people who get to away games. They don't want to stand up for 90 minutes. Let them have a sit. Right. And then the other people who want to stand up and make some like atmosphere. That's Give them the fine. option. There's that's nothing wrong giving the option. That's the running out of the way for, for the two subjects we've just had. Matt, yep. where's Matt? Where's Matt? Matt's Matt, got a question Matt, about Matt has a question. So what is all? Uh, I think it's a good question. This one. It's going to be a poll. We'll let Matt ask, and you can raise your hand accordingly. Right. I just thought I'd do a quick poll. Uh, Guys, while listening. Is there hands up so everyone can take part? Uh, hands up for Jordan Pickford to start the season. Less than I thought that, if I'm being honest. And hands up for Manone. That, yeah, that is surprising. I thought it'd be closer. Is the gen... Well, guys, 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 guys. Right, settle down. Is the, is the general opinion... Do you think that's changed a little bit? Right, like, listen, can I, can I just ask it's people... Not, it's, it's not me. Another, another raise of hands. The people who put their hands up, particularly for Manone, maybe six months ago, would you put your hand up for Pickford, yes? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is this Manone's return to form in the last six oh, months? Then? Which is fair enough, isn't it? That's all, that's all we, can, well, we can judge people on. Go on then, he's, he's been dying all... We'll, we'll, you want it. Well, give him a platform. He's been dying all show this lad. Come on, you've got, you've got the stage now. This better be a fucking good question, man. He's, he's been trying all day. He's been trying. He's got stand- a Greenaway kit on. I, th- I think we'll give him 20 quid from the front of a loose cannon. <laughs> You're standing right in front of the camera there as well. Yeah. Turn round. Oh, fantastic. Right yeah. Turn round, that's the camera. Hello, there you everyone. go. Um, I would say Pickford should be number one next year. However... Manoni has had a very good pre-season. Thank you very much. Why pick the <laughs> Well, that was worth the wait. That's insight. insight. I tell you what, nobody can ever accuse us of not being incisive. <laughs> Nobody's topping that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get one of the banter questions. I know, I know, I know. They haven't put their name. Half of you didn't put your name on these. You weren't listening to what Just I was read saying. read it out yourself. Give that one a Ryan. Barry's in there getting involved. Ryan. Greg, Greg, first of all, Greg, Greg Harding. Greg. Greg's asking where the supposedly in brackets. 
the budget of 20 million pounds. I didn't fucking say it, Greg. I just got told, all right? I'm putting that down. I, <laughs> I just got told that 20 million quid. It's not He's ITK now. Right? He's, he's got an agent account on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to drop the person in the who said it. That's he's ITK. I, that's just what I got told. I just, he's what? a liar. He's saying he's a liar. I know. I did definitely get, get told. I'm not just making it up. I promise you. Doesn't mean it's true. Anyway, it doesn't mean it's true. Very, this is very good for the right. people who yes. are watching come on. and listening Next. at home. Guys, come on. Right, I didn't write this, but whatever. Um, which current SEFC player would you most like to see on Love Island next series? Now you're talking. On what, sorry? <laughs> on Love Island. On Love Island. Craig, you said you watched this. Me and Gareth didn't have a clue what it was this morning when we were talking about uh, this. Does it have to be an ex-player or can it be current? Current, it's got to be Seb, hasn't it? Can you imagine Seb? They'll be swooning. Swooning. <laughs> Will it be oil? Would he be great question? White with oil. Respect. Brushed. There's, a more, there's another question about Seb. Well, that yeah, one. On, the, on, on that line, on the same lines as somebody wants to know, they didn't put the name on it. Who do you I think would why. be the most sensitive lover? Seb Larson or Fabio Barini? Barini? The thing is about the Swedes, the thing about the Swedes is that, in the words of Graham Taylor, they're of a more outdoor pursuit. So they'd be quite aggressive, I think. It'd be Gareth's very got much strong opinions fact, on this, so I'll let him go Did you write this question, Gareth? To the event, um, I think Barini would be more tender. He'd probably involve roses or some sort of floral arrangement. There'd be a dinner involved, and then we'd have a conversation about what was going to happen afterwards. Whereas Seb, I think, would be more forceful. Not, not in a bad way. Um, not in a wrong way. We've had enough of that at the football club Barry? the last six months. Um, well, I- but... Uh, <laughs> I think, I think Seb would be very mar- much more matter-of-fact about his approach, and you'd have to be very much in his mindset. That's my, that's my thought. I haven't thought about it before tonight. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it doesn't enough. sound like it, no. I think if, if Seb Larson is as accurate with his dick as he is with his three kicks, <laughs> you'd be waiting a long time for satisfaction. Yeah. He, hasn't pulled, he hasn't pulled in three years. Anyway, move on. Harsh. We have a question from Anthony that just says Jack Rodwell, question mark. Yeah. He's injured. He's the answer's injured again. no, isn't it? Surely, yeah. surely the answer's no. Come on. Give, that's give, that's give, one of life's great philo- <laughs> philosophical conundrums, isn't it? Give us, Jack give us, Rodwell, give question us a, mark. Well, well, right. There was a question. Someone put it on Twitter, I remember. It said, uh, was it, um, you know, maybe David Moyes could get the best out of Jack Rodwell. And my response was... He's David Moyes, he's a football manager, he's not Jesus. And, that, and that's probably where we're operating. I mean, he's got a lot of issues, obviously, Jack Rodwell, hasn't he? I mean, One of them is he's not a very good footballer. It's probably I don't think he's a bad footballer, I just think he's, had a lot, he's missed a lot of football, hasn't he, in, 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 the prime of his, in the prime of his career, and it's going to be difficult to recover. Right. Sorry? Am I saying David Moyes isn't Jesus? He's a God, very God naughty boy. I mean, that's it. That's it. It's not, that question wasn't on the card. In, in, in pre-season... Is David Moyes not Jesus? I don't think he is, no. <laughs> He's been playing um, Jack Rodwell at like, right back. Is he going to play him in the defence? Well, we've seen... Oh, right back, centre back. We've seen, is, that, is, we've is, that, is, is that for fitness? We've or seen is that great... Good. We've seen great Sunderland central midfielders of the past go to fullback like Dean Whitehead and Craig Gardner, so why not Rodwell? <laughs> Following a great tradition of shite playing at fullback. Has anybody still got I'm hope for it? Has anybody still got hope for Rodwell or not? Uh, you know what, joking aside, I actually quite like him. I wish he would. I wish. Like, like, if, like all joking aside, fit, 
fitness uh, injury free pre-season does anybody give him a chance I'd that? love him to succeed but I just he looks he, he's one of those players that you look at his feet and he, he can't move his feet quick enough and I don't know if that's a toll of injuries or what, whatever he's got everything you'd want for a midfielder that like he can strike a ball but he's, he can't not on target but he can hit it <laughs> better work on the training pitch you know he's fine no, seriously, you do. You can't. He seems like a nice guy, doesn't he? You want him to succeed. You do want him to succeed, but to be fair, to be it fair, it just Rodwell, doesn't seem to happen for him. On that point, like, like every time we got beat, which is like a lot, um, he he's the one who they like farm out and like do the post match, and you kind of feel for him because he's not the most popular lad, is he? Not amongst the fans, no. But like, he seems like a popular guy, maybe in the dressing room. Which does count for something sometimes. Like it's not like I ever said he was going to score the winning goal against Leicester before that game. We'll all forget about that one. Um, what a moment! Somebody's asking a question of your known name. We're talking about Ellis Short there, and, and I think some sort of like half joking earlier had a little bit of a pop at Ellis and stuff. But on the other side of this, do you need to be careful what you wish for? Because this person's asking here, Ellis Short. Do we feel his patience might, might be wearing thin in somewhere that we? He, he's invested, hasn't he? He obviously gets bad advice from people who are probably not qualified enough to advise him. But I don't think people can really accuse him of, of not investing, can they? Really? It's a, it's a really hard one, I, isn't it? I, I, like, I, I, well, I personally think that, Ellis, to be fair to him, he put a lot, he gave a lot of money to Keane, gave a lot of money to Bruce, um, and he's obviously, you know, there's a reason that season ticket prices haven't escalated, and it's probably because of him, because he will put the money out of in out of his own pocket to make sure that people who live in the northeast of England or wherever they might, I'm sure there's season ticket holders in this room who travel up for the games, make it affordable, and like th those season ticket prices have not escalated, so he'll probably keep on top of that. Um, I, th I think he's probably been let badly. I think the whole badly advised lines a little bit. I don't know. I think he's probably a strong enough person to make his own decisions, and whether he knows enough about football is a, a question in itself. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think to, I, I haven't got a lot of I haven't got a lot of issue with Ellis because I think he has back managers, and now in the last few years we've been clawing it back, clawing it back. Question from the back here. Apparently. I've got to say that uh, Ellis Short, the, the amount of money that's in the Premier League right now, um, th there's no gambles. Everyone thinks that you know, we, we, we need to be like bowing down to Ellis Short. And uh, fair play to him, if you think of like, the last 10, 20 years for Sunderland, then fair enough with, with Murray and stuff like that, but... but Ellis Short then. There's that much money involved in the Premier League right now. He's not taking gambles. He knows what he's doing. What do you think he might want to sell the club perhaps? Is that what he's saying? I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that he wants to sell the club, but he, he, he's still making money out of the Premier League because there's that much money. There's billions involved in the Premier League right I now. Think, I, I, I don't I, think he's making money. I, no, I, I, think I, he, I think he's covering. The, 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 these, we're, 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 make, we're making a massive £25 million loss every season. There's, this a, season. there's, a, there's a saying, isn't there, in football that the only way you can become a millionaire by owning a football club is being a billionaire when you buy it in the first place. I'm not sure what owners are making Well, that's why we all go, money. isn't it? Because of how much money the chairman has. That's, that's, the main, that's the main draw to the football. Barry, got a question from James, James Scott. Can James. you remember the question, James, or do you need it? He'll remember it, James. It's a question for Barry. 
Um, as a listener of the Football Weekly, why is Jacob so miserable? <laughs> Jacob Steinberg. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Jacob Steinberg is a colleague of mine who, who appears on the, our Football Weekly podcast sometimes. He, he's not miserable, I would say. He, he's just... Uh, I don't know. He is miserable, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, no, he's a, he's a real nice bloke. He just doesn't tend to get excited about very much, apart from West Ham. I was going to say, well, he is a West Ham yeah. fan, isn't he? So. Um, I, I, Deirdre, who's here on, on the mother of all dates, uh, she has asked, and I, I would be genuinely interested to hear my fellow panellists, uh, their view on this. What do you honestly think success is for Sunderland? Mid-table mediocrity. Uh, oh, Let's way, have a cheer for mid-table mediocrity. <laughs> That's the dream. Uh, that is the dream you right spelled there. success wrong, by the way. Not, not to be overly critical again, but... Uh, that is very Seriously, Sunderland, that's it. We spelled success no, wrong. I did, short, <laughs> short term, we, we had that under Bruce, didn't we? And we weren't happy. We didn't get the stability. A little bit, kind of. I think it's a different thing, though, because we'd been in the Premier League, what, five, six years? We were hoping that things would happen. They didn't happen. And things haven't happened for, like, five years. The same it's things happened. We've been good from March and then to, like, what, May. And then bad things have happened for the rest of the year. Is, is so. the dream really to be Stoke? No, I don't think... It, I, my, my personal view is that it's, it, it's about, um, you know, when you go to the game, like, it's a, it's a pain punter. We're, ne- we're not going to win... I just want to see him win 10. We're not going to win the league. We're, we're not going to finish in the, the top four, whatever. What I'd like to see is a team that's competitive and, and you, know, enjoy, you know, I want to see a team that enjoys, enjoys playing and, you know, I think we saw that in the, back in the last season. Well, the podcast would, still be interesting if we're yeah, just like... You know, yeah. I just, want to along see, yeah, I just want to see a team that enjoy, really enjoys themselves. I had nothing and, to talk about. You know, seeing moments of quality and, and you know, it, you know, it, it, would be, it would be a bit boring if we're like, we're really good, wouldn't it? Like, let's be honest. No. We'll get sick of it. Listen, ja- Janet, you can't, you can't shout demands and ask us to ask your question if you're not going to ask it yourself. You can read, no, you can read it out yourself. Come on. Come on, Janet. Who would have thought it would be... Bedlam I don't think she needs a microphone, to be honest. <laughs> we're, building up, we're building up to something here. Come on, this better be good. Right. Do you think... I'll tell you what, the editors, whoever do are doing this, are going to have a penny the club has gone down since my hero, Niall Quinn, has left. Do, do we think what? Sorry, repeat that. Ma- management of the club has gone down since my hero, Niall Quinn, has left. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think it's indeed, but, but is, it not, is it not the perception, though? Is it not the perception that it's, it's worse because we haven't got the, the connection? I think, like, when, when Quinny was there, obviously you heard, a lot, more, no, you heard a lot more stuff on the grapevine and there was probably a lot more loose lips. Since Quinny left, it's probably been a little bit more shut down. I think it's probably more of a, a, football, a football reason um, overall. Um, when, when now we're in a situation where well, well, so we, you know, Barry will be particularly familiar, I'm sure, where uh, there's absolutely nothing you can get out of anybody because it's vetted by you know, five press officers or something before it gets out. And that's the situation we're in now. The lack of relationship, probably, I would argue, is not down to someone like Niall Quinn. It's down to a, a, ch- a change you know, in, in, in the way football's covered and stuff like that. And 
people aren't willing to, to put as much out there anymore because, you know, what, what's the value in it if you're going to get uh, ripped to pieces? So I think people are a lot more introverted now in, in approach to football. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Janet. I, well, sorry, I, I think I agree with you um, for once. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think Margaret Byrne was very good. Uh, well, controversial. Executive. And I'm slightly concerned. I, I'm not going to claim to know much about her successor, but I do note with some sense of foreboding that he was uh, quite high up in Rangers when they had their little uh, meltdown with the tax man. So uh, I don't know what his involvement in that was or how directly responsible he was for their tax avoidance issues. But just the very fact that he was there at all and is now the chief executive of Sunderland will be a, a, definitely a source of concern for me. I don't know about anyone else. An ideal fit. It, it, it did. That was one of the first things that I thought when we employed him. I mean, look, he, that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad appointment, but it doesn't. It does. It doesn't look good, does it? <laughs> there's, there's a there's a question here. Right. Somebody's mentioning that Peter Reid said the northeast of England was always a hard area to attract players. Why do you think this is? That's a bit fucking rich when you've moved down London, mind. Whoever said that. <laughs> I can't believe I've just read that question out. Let's be honest. What's the impression of the North East here then? Who wants to live in the North East? Three of us here? Yeah? I'm in between moving back. Yeah, somebody's moving back. He's got the right idea. What's the perception of Barry the North East? Uh, I think the perception of most Londoners of the North East, and I stress Londoners, as in people born and reared in London, not me, is you're all six-fingered yokels. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I don't think that it, it is definitely difficult, more difficult to attract a footballer to a place like Newcastle or Sunderland or Middlesbrough, although Middlesbrough seem to be doing a good job attracting them there this summer. Money. Um, Money helps. To that, say, to one of those places, then to London or, you know, Manchester maybe. And I'm not sure why, because footballers tend to live in little bubbles anyway, you know, they the gated community and the big house and they they, they don't we can't they, sell the cost they, of living to them can we that's they don't, irrelevant you know them, they, don't, they don't really go out and you're not going to bump into one in Tesco or whatever or, I saw, um, I saw, to be fair I saw Fraser Campbell <laughs> in Marks and Spencer's in Sunderland twice so, you posh bastards <laughs> yeah, I wasn't doing any Photoshop there I was just getting bits it, 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 it wasn't a, and a you, saw, you saw photo. Sean Thornton in the, in the, in the, in the I, no I did I, so Sean Thornton once, I went to the cinema to see a film, obviously, like you do. And after the film, Sean Thornton uh, came, this was after the film, he was in the same film as me, he was in an all-silver tracksuit, like you, like you do, bleach bond hair, came out after the film and ordered nachos and a hot dog after the film and then left. <laughs> so I wonder why he didn't crack on. What, whatever happened to Sean Thornton? He wasn't very, well, it, wait, Stephen had a, Stephen had an altercation with Sean Thornton. I want to put this as politely as possible. He was a fucking dickhead. <laughs> well said. <laughs> we can't hear yeah. you. If you can ask questions, you need the you microphone. Can't that, you can't ask that question. What do you say? You can't ask that question. <laughs> Keep the microphone away from this table down here. That somebody's asked. Somebody's. Except 
Somebody's written, no, 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 no. Somebody's, somebody's written down, so Brexit, how's that going? We're not going there at all. We're not going there at all. We're not going there at all. One thing I'm curious about, actually, just on the subject of Brexit, I'm not going to go there, don't worry. But just in, in terms of elections and referendums and that, why is Sunderland so good at counting? That they're always first in. Always. Mint and maths. Yes. We got beaten though, didn't we? We got beaten by Newcastle first time in a while. First time in a long time. First time in a while, but we lost. Extra fingers in it. <laughs> no, we're not talking about Brexit. Did you hear us now? No. Seen a good number of people. Somebody's somebody's wrote Joe Lazaro question mark. People, where we gone? That was the, that was the question. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Someone else answer it? I have no idea. Early impressions of him, because I know Proctor mentioned him a few times, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, previously. Yeah. And said like how quick he is, and he, he played in the under-19s or something. Did well, they have a tournament well, this year? He scored against about, England, he had a couple. The thing about youth players is that you always... We, I mean, we've talked about... You always want to see them playing, like, above the age level, don't you? Like, you don't want to see them, like, languishing the 21s when they're 21 and then going into 22. You want to see them playing when they're 17, 18 in the 21s. And the Soro obviously has gone through there. Um, Greenwood's another one. Um, Gooch is another one who are playing over their age. So let's hope that uh, they do something. Out of all the young players, is, is, is Gooch the one people are most Hooch. excited about? I like, I like, yeah. I think Green, no. I've seen Greenwood like a couple of times with the A. Gareth loves Greenwood. He does. Gareth's got a proper thing. What, 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 what other names, what other names are there? Gooch, Greenwood, really somebody good. else? Anyone? Really? There's no rules. There's no rules. How many drinks does this guy have? <laughs> Too many. Too many. The drink is Who, do we, have? Who do we have? Gooch or Greenwood? Hands for Gooch. Greenwood? No? Half the people didn't put their hand up at all. Like, well, because probably never they're, seen they're a player. Like, why would you? Because like, they fucked off down London, didn't they? That's John Paul. Hmm. All right, then. <laughs> We've got a question from Graham about desert islands. Who's Graham? Here we are. If you had to be stuck on a desert island with a Sunland player, past or present, who would it be? Craig, were you listening to that? Yeah. Hey. Who was that? Kevin Arnold before our time, I think. That. Who would you have, Gareth? Who would you be stuck on a desert island with? Stefan I think Schwartz we all know what you me, feel about Larson, let's be honest. Schwartz you made that quite clear in the last... Uh, Seems like a clear in the last I, reckon, I reckon probably someone like uh, Nyron, because, you know, he's a, a big, powerful bloke. You know, if you, want to, if, you want to, if you want somebody to, like, carry, like, wood about and that to make, like, uh, some sort of makeshift, you know, a board he could do that for you. I'd imagine, like, he could probably... He went for right back to centre-back, so... You know, he's adaptable, so you could probably, like, train him to, like, catch fish. Well, I say train him to catch fish, I can't catch fish myself. So I, I'd imagine that if you give him the opportunity, he would take that. And uh, I'd, I would like that in my, uh, if, if, if I was on a... We'll learn a lot about Gareth tonight and his types, <laughs> I think. I was, was going to say, Gareth, is there not a choice for, for Greenwood, Barini or Larson for you on a, uh, on a desert island? After, uh, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> they, they, they were different things. One question here about Fellaini, because we keep mentioning Fellaini, so we're back on other Sunderland stuff. And somebody's asking, um, if you not think Big Sam proved in January, you can go for imagination and good value and stuff like that. I'd be interested to know what people know about Fellaini. Well, like Kadamangani. 
I'm not going to say how much we've got to spend, right? I don't know. I haven't got a clue. Never been told anything. Um, would people be happy with, say, spending £15 million on Fellaini? Yes? yes so hands for yes? It's half still, isn't it? It's half still, isn't it? Uh, I mean, look, Moyes had... Guys, guys, Moyes had a reputation, by didn't he? At Everton, I guess, uh, probably what attracted short to him. He said he tried to get him as manager four or five times anyway because he used to work on a, on a budget. We're hoping that's not going to be the case with us, but that must be attractive, and he has, he has history in that, at least, Moyes, doesn't he? Bringing, bringing in, building a good squad without spending a lot of money. Uh, yeah, he does. Um, I think it's a, a positive step forward, his appointment. I, I do know a couple of Everton supporting colleagues of mine were really fed up with Moyes towards the end of his tenure. They thought his team played a very turgid football. How many years did it take to get to that point, though? Ten? Yeah, I, I think every manager has a shelf life, you know, and, and that's at a certain club and, and people are going to get sicky after a while. I think it's a good appointment. I think there's every reason to be positive. Um, and I, I, I am happier he's in charge than I am that, that Allardyce was. And the thing is, I think Allardyce will do a good job with England. I mean, he can't do a worse one than Roy Hodgson, but I do, I do think he could be just what the doctor ordered for England if he is let do things his way uh, without FA interference, which seems really unlikely, but um, we'll see. The thing with Allardyce, he's got that um, kind of ego and thick skin to do the job, like in the sense that if, they have a, if the press come at him, he can take it, can't he? I know that's the press, not the FA, but like he's not a yes man. I know it's slightly off topic, but is that us going out in a positive anywhere? I think it sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah. I like thank you all coming. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't think any of us worked in marketing and all, but we do. We forgot to mention that we're selling T-shirts at the back, so they're being there, just sitting there, and nobody even has a clue. If anybody's in, if anybody's interested, they're at the back there. But I would like to thank you all for coming. Seriously, it means a lot to us. And when people come up and have a talk with us and have a beer with us. It means so much to us, and it might sound corny and cheesy, but we're really, really appreciated. It was just an idea that started, and it snowballed more than we could have ever expected. Stephen's, we'd like to, we'd, Stephen's had one good idea in his life, and yeah, and well, yeah, and so. look, now look at it. We'd like to thank Barry for coming as well. He's came here just for the price of beers. Uh, which thank is you great. for having me. Cheers. So Buzz. thanks for coming. Oh, Richard as well. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no. I've got to thank, uh, obviously, the cameras, Richard and his, and his crew. Uh, Richard uh, is a Sunderland fan who lives down here, and then he, um, he offered um, to do it for nothing, and he's provided all the cameras, all the sound, so people who aren't here tonight will be lucky enough uh, to, 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 well, I say lucky enough, but they'll get to watch something um, and listen to something. Um, say, T-shirt sale, books are for sale at the back there, two tails from Red and Right. Books T-shirts at the back. Thanks to Sulla Brewery as well for having us because uh, it's been Thanks phenomenal. Thanks to Paul, Swinney. I'm sure everybody's bought his dictionary, yeah. but buy it anyway. See, ima imagine if they brought that top out now. Imagine that, Twitter yeah. if they brought that top out now. Hell on. Thanks to the brewery as well. Eh? Ryan Noble. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Ryan Noble. Come, come and see I and have a beer if you want. Thanks to these lads as well. That's yeah, Craig, what's we, we've done that, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we don't have them on. Thanks a lot, guys.
when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.